0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge of Wharton. What helps? Doctors' patients recover faster and more completely. There are many components to that question. One, which is the focus of a new book that says the compassion that a doctor shows to his or her patient plays a vital role in that process. It not only helps bring longer, healthier lives to the patient, but it also has benefits for the medical professionals as well. And this is critical at a time when the focus on burnout is once again at the forefront. The book we speak about is titled Compassionomics, The Revolutionary Evidence That Caring Makes a Difference. It is authored by our next guest, Dr. Steve Treziak, who's chief of medicine at New Jersey's Cooper University Healthcare, and he's also chair of medicine as well as professor at uh, Cooper Medical School at Rowan University in New Jersey. Dr. Treziac wrote the book with his colleague, Dr. Anthony Mazzarelli. Good to see you again. Thanks good for coming s- in.
1: Good to see you again, Dan. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you. I, I mean, I think... Most people have an idea of what compassion is, but when you speak about it in terms of the medical industry and and, and the benefits that compassion can bring, how do you define it?
1: Sure, and and that's an important question. Uh, nomenclature is an important is important in any scientific discipline, and, and and compassionomics is no different. So researchers define compassion as an emotional response to another's pain or suffering, involving an authentic desire to help. It's different, slightly different from a very closely related term of empathy. Right. So, empathy is the feeling, understanding, uh, detecting another's emotions and resonating with that. And compassion takes it one step farther and is taking action to help alleviate that to some extent.
0: So, uh, the, the term empathy uh, is something that is used a lot in the, in the medical community right now. And I've seen a couple of reports that. That say there are instances where doctors don't feel like they have the time to provide empathy. How how much of how much does that factor in to this issue? So empathy is vital because if you don't
1: detect or understand another's uh, emotional state, you're not going to be inclined to take action with compassion to help alleviate it. Right. So there was a study from 2012 published in the Journal of General Internal Medicine. And in that study, they found that 56 percent of physicians said that they don't have time for compassion. And, <laughs> and that was a, um, a piece of data among many that indicated to us, to Anthony Mazzarelli and I, uh, that there is in fact a compassion crisis in health care. Now, you may say we have a compassion crisis in society uh at large and 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 that's a topic for a different day. Right. I'm going to stay in my lane as a physician scientist and just speak to uh the effects of of compassion but there are um, there is abundant data. In the medical literature, showing that we have a compassion crisis in healthcare. Ne- Survey uh, data shows that nearly half of Americans believe that the US healthcare system is not compassionate. Right. And they also believe ha- nearly half right. of Americans believe that healthcare providers are not compassionate. This is coupled with evidence that physicians, specifically, uh, Miss 60 to 90 percent of opportunities to respond to patients with compassion. And more survey data shows that two thirds of Americans have had a meaningful healthcare experience with a striking lack of compassion. And this is coupled now in the area, uh, in the era of electronic health records, where there is rigorous data to show that healthcare providers spend more time looking into computer screens than looking their patients in the eyes. Right. And based on all of these data, we conclude that we have a compassion crisis. The, the, but the next question is: Does it matter? Does ah. does compassion really matter?
0: And I would think a lot of people would say it is a huge component, not only in terms of the relationship between patient and doctor, but also in the success of the organization as well. Correct. Absolutely. So the vast
1: majority of uh, healthcare providers, I'd say 99.9 percent, believe that compassion is vital to health care. In, in one sense, uh, in an in, in ought, right? So we ought to treat people with compassion. But what we did in, in compassionomics, we did a two-year journey through the biomedical evidence to, yeah. not, uh, to not only test whether or not compassion mattered in a moral or ethical or emotional or sentimental sense, but does it actually matter in a scientific sense? Yeah. Is there scientific evidence that caring makes a difference for patients for patient care, and for those who uh, provide health care, the health care providers themselves. And that's, that's uh, to your point about organizations. Uh, it is absolutely vital that we have compassion in health care because uh, there is striking evidence in the literature that more compassion is associated with lower burnout. And sure. it can, and and therefore, compassion on the part of healthcare providers isn't just good for the receiver of compassion; it's actually good for the giver too.
0: So, how has the this mindset played out for you at Cooper in what you're trying to do there in leading that that organization?
1: Well, uh, first, I, I'll, I'll answer that in two ways. First, personal. Um, uh, I, I'm an intensivist, so I practice uh, intensive care medicine. Uh, the way I describe that job to people is that I I meet people on the worst day of their life. Uh, that's that's what we do right. uh, in critical care, and uh, I had I came to the realization after 20 years of working in ICU that I had almost every symptom of burnout, and. Um, what was I supposed to do? Right. So there, was, there's evidence of treatments for healthcare provider burnout. Um, um, most of it was not super compelling, and mm-hmm. I was aware of the evidence that more compassion is associated with more fulfillment in one's career as well as building resilience and resistance to burnout. So I did an experiment for myself. Mm -hmm. I'm a physician scientist. I do research. So uh, this was my uh, N of one experiment where I was the only only, uh, subject in the experiment. And I tested the hypothesis that working very hard to care more and connect more would actually transform my experience. And that was when the fog of burnout began to lift for me um and then i'll take it i'll answer the question in other ways as a, as a leader uh in the organization and and uh chief of medicine uh i am now very much after uh uh doing uh, curating all the data
0: uh-huh.
1: and putting it together in this book uh compassionomics i am aware every day of how much compassion matters not only in meaningful ways but also measurable ways, right. and so uh, we are uh, now taking uh, we're taking a new approach uh, and um, looking at that in every aspect of what we do.
0: What does this this focus on compassion mean for the business of the healthcare industry?
1: Uh, that's a great question and an important question. And obviously a, a big uh, question as healthcare is is uh, once again at the forefront of uh, all the headlines in the 2020 election cycle. Yeah. So um, as your the guest you had on just last half hour said, we spent $3.3 trillion in health care in general. Yeah. Uh, where does compassion matter there? Yeah. And so there, I think it's important to break it down in, from what perspective, right? Yeah. So there's the societal perspective and then there's the healthcare healthcare system perspective. So one is if you're uh, an American and uh, from a society perspective. The other is what if you're a CEO of an organization? So I'll start with that one. So there is uh, clear evidence uh, in the biomedical literature that compassion for patients uh, is a, a profound driver uh, of business, uh, when when you ask patients what they look for in a healthcare provider, uh, or specifically a physician, for example, they don't say the technical things, right? Because they just assume that's a given that the doctor knows what he or she is doing, right? What they want is the relational aspect, and that that um, that has been borne out in study after study after study. Uh, and so that's not what I think or what I believe. That's what we found when we analyzed uh, the literature. And so that is a, um, a profound driver of of business in healthcare. Uh, what what is uh, uh, largely called patient experience, but we also found that compassion communicates competence. Okay. So there is a lot of research that shows that when patients are treated with compassion, they perceive the healthcare provider to be more competent. Hmm. And clearly, you're going to have trouble building a practice in healthcare if people don't think you're competent. Right. Um, so, uh, on the other side uh, is the societal perspective. And um, there, you're not uh, uh, so focused on revenues. We're talking about the costs, right? right. And right. so, uh, there is evidence, um, and numerous studies, most of them coming from the primary care domain and, and family medicine uh, specifically, showing that compassionate, patient centered care. Uh, with a strong personal connection with the physician, is associated with lower discretionary resource use, so fewer diagnostic tests, fewer referrals to specialists, fewer unnecessary hospital admission, and lower total health care charges. So our thinking is that if you spend more time with the personal connection, uh, maybe you don't need so many tests and referrals. Right. And healthcare providers that are very that do not have that personal connection with patients are more often than to use uh, tests and um, uh, technologies uh, as opposed to talking.
0: You talk about also the fact that this is really, it should be a component, especially for the public and for the person that is going to see a doctor as a factor in terms of who they decide to select as a doctor. If they're looking for a new general practitioner, if they're Looking to consult with, with somebody about a medical condition that the compassion should be a component in that decision process Absolutely so uh, we actually
1: uh, devote a whole section of compassionomics to this issue of uh, the finances and in and, 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 and the business of healthcare care and obviously a big part of that is how do you go about selecting a physician so there is a study right. of seven million online reviews of physicians. And what the investigators found is that uh, just over half of those online reviews of physicians were focused on the uh, personal connection, what we call the caring parts of healthcare right. care com- compassion uh, for patients obviously being a cornerstone of that relationship, so that is what the online reviews are focused on. A minority of them were focused on some technical aspects of how wonderful a physician was or 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 not um, so really, when you look at um, what patients are looking for in a physician as well as how they evaluate physicians in a study of seven million online patient reviews, yeah. It is it is that relational component uh, that
0: is is so vital to patients. How much is this now being considered an important component of uh, of universities uh, that have medical schools uh, in teaching these factors when students are going through the process of becoming a doctor, so that they have this already ingrained in them when they start their residency or they you know they take that that f- that full time position. I love the question. Um, it's, um, it's a vital question.
1: And, and it, uh, I'll back up just a little bit. It, sure. It, and we, we, we talk about this uh, whole uh, section of the book on nature versus nurture. Okay. Can you learn compassion? Right. Right. And um, I will tell you um, that uh, my mind was changed as we went through this two-year journey through the, the, the scientific evidence. Right. Because I used to believe— that you are either wired for compassion or you're not. Right. It's something in the fabric of who you are or, or maybe it's in your DNA or your, uh, your whatnot. But it, 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 is, is, it isn't something that can be learned. Right. And then I saw the data. And there is an abundance of data that compassionate behaviors can in fact be taught and learned. And the key Mm. word then is behavior. So you're not, um, we're not talking about what one believes in their mind as they care for another person, but how is, how do they behave towards the patient and how does that uh, effectively communicate compassion or not? So this is a vital, vital part of medical education. Um, uh, Historically, uh, medical schools have always had a component on the doctor-patient relationship. Right. But in our opinion, uh, both uh, Anthony and I, we believe that we have underestimated the power of compassion Mm. because we've thought about it in the uh, moral, ethical, emotional sense, but we haven't thought about it in a scientific way. And in the the book, uh, of the 430 references, there are 250 original science research studies from peer-reviewed journals. And so this has been... um, uh, we put a lot of rigor to this. Mm-hmm. And what we found is that compassion matters not only in meaningful ways, but measurable ways. And so in medical schools, what uh, what we believe we ought to do is uh, have an awakening to the rigor that's there if we just look at it that way. And we, we curated all the data um, uh, in this book. Um, but uh when i interview medical students uh, or candidates i should say so that's yeah. that's part of what i do uh, as a professor at cooper medical school of rowan university so i get to interview candidates for medical school right and i specifically uh, uh talk to the person first before i look at any of their data okay their uh, standardized testing. I want to know if the candidate can connect with a person. Okay. And sometimes, um, uh, there are just, uh, incredibly warm people that I know can talk to any patients and sometimes not. And in my, in, in, in
0: my, um, estimate, that's, that's a really big thing. So how do you then, then change that component? Because I think probably historically, the thought process with the with interviewing candidates has been the other way around, looking at the numbers first and then talking to them. How do you then change the mindset of the candidate so that while they understand that their grades and, and, and what they do in school are very important, that this is just as important as the grades part? It's a great
1: question, and I want to just say that if they didn't have, uh, if they were not in the top uh uh, of the candidates, they wouldn't be sitting in the chair. Sure. Yeah. So I already yeah. know that they have incredible test scores, and I already know that they aced all their classes in college. Right. 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 Because it, our medical school, for example, is is uh, made, made uh, some of the lists for one of the hardest schools to get into in the country, actually. Right. And because we have uh, exceptionally high standards for that sort of rigor, but once they're sitting in the chair, and I know everybody that's a candidate uh, sitting in the chair can do the work. Yeah. Uh, then I just uh, I, I look at the personal factors and, and uh, how they can connect with people.
0: So then when you when you think about the structure of, of a hospital and, and the people that are working there, how do you differentiate the need for compassion with somebody that is, a say, a GP in comparison to a surgeon uh, or somebody that you know, may work in the cancer center in comparison to the ER of a hospital?
1: Yeah. So uh, clearly across different caregiver roles, there are different opportunities for compassion. So like, for example, I'm an intensive care doctor. Right. right? Many of my patients, actually the majority of my patients, they're unconscious. OK, I can't sure. actually talk to them. Right. But I certainly can talk to their families. Right. So depending on what caregiver role you have, you have a different opportunity to make that connection. OK. Um, you mentioned surgeons. Um I actually think surgeons get a bad rap. Okay. okay. Some of the most compassionate physicians I've ever met in my life have been surgeons. Right. And so um, I, while clearly there's a huge technical component uh, to what uh, surgeons have to do, I, for the vast majority of surgeons that I've met in, in my life, that connection with their patient is not only um, – it, it's incredibly important in yeah. their mind. And not only for the patient – to put them at ease uh, before and after surgery, but also for them and for their own fulfillment and loving what they do. Uh, so so definitely there are different um, uh, opportunities across different caregiver roles. You mentioned emergency physicians. We actually just published a paper uh, in uh, the journal Intensive Care Medicine a couple weeks ago yeah. in which we found an association between compassion at the point of care during a life-threatening medical emergency and lower uh, symptoms of PTSD uh, 30 days later. Yeah. And, and patients who go through medical emergencies and critical illness often come out with PTSD. We think of it as a combat-related um, sure. trauma. Yeah. But when you go through critical illness in an, in a, in an emergency where you think your life uh, is hanging in the balance, and it is, yeah. and you have awareness of that, you can come out with psychological uh, symptoms uh, down the road. And what we found is that there's an association between more compassion at the point of care when the patient is experiencing that emergency – Yeah. Potentially making it less psychologically traumatic. Very preliminary data. So right now we're uh, getting ready to uh, put in a grant uh, to the NIH to uh, study this further. Uh, it's our science director, Dr. Brian Roberts at Cooper, uh, who is a fantastic uh, scientist, and um, uh, it's one of the one of the ways in which we
0: think compassion makes a meaningful difference. Can for you patients. can you also link compassion? To the issue of readmittance of patients as well. like If you have that that compassionate relationship between doctor and patient, the patient then reacts in, in potentially a different way and they take that mindset with them out when they leave the hospital, it changes their mindset and potentially they don't get readmitted down the line.
1: Absolutely. And this this actually goes back to an earlier question you asked about costs. Yeah. I mean, we talked about cost avoidance. Yeah. Well, one of the most um, expensive uh, uh, avoidable costs is related to something called non-adherence. Um, yeah. And so what we're talking about now is patient self-care, how patients take care of themselves. Yeah. Because they're only in the physician's office for a very short period of time. The rest of the time, they're on their own, right? And- so adherence is when a patient uh, takes their medicine as prescribed. Non-adherence yeah. has been estimated to account for between uh, well hundreds of billions of dollars, between 100 and 300 billions of dollars yeah. of downstream avoidable health care costs in the United States alone. Right. In Compassionomics, we go through all the data. And specifically, regarding self-care, we found a signal in the data that when you care deeply about patients and they feel that they they're aware of that, they're more likely to take their medicine. Let, let me give you a study yep. a study from Johns Hopkins uh, several years ago, 1300 patients with HIV mm-hmm. Now that's a disease that is quite controllable, but you have to take your medicine. sure you yep. have to take it yep. right so, the researchers asked the question, does your healthcare provider know you as a person? And then they adjusted the analysis for all the other factors that could be associated with non-adherence, with failing to take your medicine as prescribed, everything yeah. from socioeconomic to comorbid conditions to severity of disease. What they found is that knowing the patient as a person – was associated with the patient being more likely to believe that the therapy would work. Yeah. But here are the striking data points. It was also associated with a 33% higher odds of adherence to therapy, right. and then a 20% higher odds of having no detectable virus in the blood. So knowing the patient as a person, the patient is more likely to believe that the therapy will work, yeah. more likely to actually take it, And then more likely to have the result of it clearing the virus from the blood. And we think that um, evidence like that is really striking and and, and tells an important story.
0: A couple uh, of questions from online right now through our Twitter account. Uh, Is it the job of the nurses to be compassionate and not the doctors? And I think that's that was kind of the old mindset. If you go back in time with the medical community, that it wasn't necessarily the doctor's job, but it was it did fall to the nurse.
1: So first of all, I just want to say we think it's everybody's job.
0: Right. Uh, right so right.
1: Um, but you bring up an important point. It just so happens that of the 250 studies uh, that are um, uh, described in this book, uh, there are many more studies about physicians than about nurses. So that's just we we were just drawn to where the data led us. Right. Yeah. yeah. But. Uh, nurses' uh, uh, compassion is absolutely vital, and I can tell you in in, in um, social media over the last few days, uh, as, and as the book is launching, one of the things that we uh, routinely were seeing is is uh, messages from nurses uh, that said, uh, basically, we think that this should be obvious. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, and and to some extent we do believe that there is intuitiveness here right. right that compassion does make a difference that's that's sort of what everybody knows in healthcare yeah. but where is the data behind it and that's why we wrote the book
0: i would imagine that that speaking about burnout for a second that if you're able to 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 factor in compassion as a core component for doctors, for nurses, for everybody that really works at a at a at a medical facility, that also the hope is is that the lifestyle, uh, the the work life balance, many in some cases of that person ends up being better. And as as a business, there is probably a lower turnover rate in terms of of people working at that facility getting out of the industry or going to another facility because of what the environment ends up being.
1: So, burnout uh, takes an enormous toll. It takes a toll on patients. It takes a toll on healthcare providers and their uh, physical as well as their psychological well being. Yeah. And there's an economic toll for health systems. Sure. And um, uh, so, j- just for example, uh, a recent study uh, from JAM Internal Medicine found that when you have turnover of one physician, it costs a health system somewhere between $500,000 and a million dollars to yeah. replace that physician. With all the, the, the costs that go into that and, and recruiting a new physician and ramping up that practice, it's a big deal. But um, we found uh, clear signals in the data that show that more compassion, more human connection can build resilience and resistance to burnout. And there's also data that. Um, uh, uh, actually, data that was uh, uh, from Wharton uh, years ago that studied a compassionate culture uh-huh. within long-term care facilities, um, and found that when there is a compassionate culture, there is a better healthcare provider experience. People get are more fulfilled in what they do, yeah. more resistance to burnout, and lower employee turnover. So uh, you're exactly right that more human connection not only makes you feel better right. And more fulfillment in taking care of patients and resistance to burnout. But it can also create a culture uh, in your organization that makes people want to stay and keep doing what they're doing because they love what they do.
0: How much can, can these mindsets also play into? I mean, obviously we're talking about this in the scope of the medical field, but this is uh, some of these are elements that can be core components of almost any business out there today.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and um uh, there's been a lot of interest actually in the principles in our book from outside of the healthcare field and sure. in all sorts of different industries because the thread that is running through the healthcare data probably is underpinning um, quite a bit of the uh, burnout, uh, employee retention, and fulfillment and well being in other yeah. industries as well. So we just decided to study it in the healthcare literature because uh, uh, Anthony Mazzarelli and I, that, that's what we do, we're physician sure. scientists. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we believe that, that the, the the lessons you learn by taking that journey through the data are things that can be applied broadly.
0: Steve, great seeing you again. Great to you again. with the book. Thanks so much. Thank you. Steve Treziak from uh, Cooper uh, University Healthcare. Uh, the book is titled uh, Compassionomics, the Revolutionary Scientific Evidence That Caring Makes a Difference. Steve, uh, authoring this book with Dr. Anthony Mazzarelli. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.